I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm Curtis Jones. I am Cody Gagbo. Putting on the Liverpool top for the first time, it was a dream come true and I'll never forget that moment. The new LFC 24-25 season Nike Home Kit is out now. Buy it today, along with our new goalkeeper kit and training range at your official LFC stores. Online at liverpoolfc.com forward slash store and on the official LFC store app. You will never walk alone. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, yeah. quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Hello everybody and welcome to the Premier League Nightclub Podcast. My name is Damon and with me I have Woody. Woody, how are you? How are you going, mate? I'm going well. I appreciate you asked me this the start of every pod and I sort of don't know how to respond because nothing's changing in our world really. Nothing's changing too much so I'm always a bit stumped when you ask me but Damo, in a nutshell, I'm good. I'm a bit stressed but I'm good. To be fair, yeah, like... I reckon I think to myself, before those words come out of my mouth, hello everybody, welcome to the Premier League Nightclub, I think this week I'm going to come up with something something real different f- for Woody to handle, <laughs> and I get to the end of the sentence and it just comes out every single time because I've just, nothing else comes to me every single time, but you know, I do understand, especially especially these times, it's really, it's a pretty shit-ass question to be honest. Yeah, it's an average um, question, mate. Every, everyone's sort of, yeah. Throwing the same curveball every week, but you know what, actually, funny story, I haven't told you this because I wanted to sort of tell you this on air, but uh, I reckon about 45 right. minutes ago, I had an absolute screaming match with a telemarketer uh, on the phone. And I, I, usually what happens... This, when I, these are always good stories. Yeah, when, always. If, whenever, whenever I get a telemarketer calling me, I always stick it on speaker so my parents can hear and they piss themselves laughing. But it was, I reckon I was on the call for about 20 minutes imitating like a like a, a redneck American, um, just saying like I was <laughs> I was given the right by Donald Trump to um, to, <laughs> to have my internet broadcast or something. Just, just absolutely ridiculous stuff. So I'm actually... I've actually lost my voice a little bit, so pardon me if I drift a little bit in and out during the pod. Whiz. I'm on my third cup of tea, 
uh, currently drinking peppermint with a bit of honey, and my throat is extremely sore, extremely sore. Well, you know, funny you mention it. I can safely say that I'm not a tea man at all. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I, I, I think the problem is I really only have it when I'm sick, so I like relate the taste of it to being sick. Does that yeah, make sense? You, 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 so it's a bit, it's a bit like Barocca. Barocca. You only drink it when you're Yeah, like no one likes Barocca because, yeah, it reminds you of being hungover. (laughs) So I reckon that's there's something in that. But Woody, you you did say that you wanted to mention something to me on on air, which you just have. But I I had the same idea. Mm -hmm. And so you have no idea what's about to come out of my mouth. And put it this way, I reckon two or three occasions over the nightclub journey thus far, you... Have had a little had a little clip at me about the fact that I messaged Cesc Fabregas asking him to come onto the <laughs> oh, nightclub. Here we go. Now, aside I know aside from the fact, aside from the fact that for one, he's very very active on social media, so I thought it was there. And also, our most recent guest, James Dodd, actually, I forgot to ask him last week about it. Also, asked Cesc about an interview, and he actually did get back to him. So. I thought it was reasonable, but I then come across our <laughs> social media and find something that I thought had to be brought up. And what it is, is for those listeners out there, it is basically, you know, one or two guests come on this pod and mention that they're, look, friends is a generous word, maybe acquaintances, maybe have just communicated with him once in their life. <laughs> Rafa Benitez now has an inbox, a DM <laughs> in his Instagram from the Premier League nightclub podcast asking him to come on. Would he, what, in what planet does Rafa Benitez come on and talk absolute trash with us? To be fair, I reckon I, the last few messages I've sent, I'm trying to target people that maybe don't have... <laughs> the uh, uh, capabilities of, of muting um, their chat on Instagram. And I thought Rafa might be a bit <laughs> of a dad in that respect and might not know how to mute his chat. So there could be a chance, an off chance, that he actually just deals with inboxes day in, day out. So I thought there was a, a slim, slim chance there. But you know what? I actually, yeah, trying to, as well, just trying to target people that have huge names but not necessarily aren't that active on social media so that the chances of them responding would be right up there. But Damo, we did get a response from the man coming on this pod and we've taken about five minutes to introduce his name. And we haven't, we haven't <laughs> said very much during the week because it was a very, very much a last, last gasp sort of a last gasp sort of a nab we got here, but last gasp, last gasp. Anyway, nice. go on, sorry. Let's not, into, <laughs> let's not get into Garby at the moment. That's, that's a Woody's for another day. But we've got the great Australian man, Ryan Williams of Portsmouth, coming on the show, Damo. Mate, this is a huge one, and it's a huge one because, again, it's something completely different. Mm. Uh, he spent time at Fulham as well, and we've obviously spoken to, to Tyrese from, from Fulham. But it's just going to be so interesting to have a different perspective on a time at the same club. And who knows, maybe... Um, you know, it hasn't quite. It didn't quite work out for Ryan at Fulham. Who knows what's going to happen with Tyrese? But it'll just be interesting to see how they compare their times at, at Fulham. And of course, yeah, as you said, Woody, he started at Portsmouth, and now he's back there. Um, and along with, he spent some time at many other clubs. Uh, so you know, I think it's going to be one of those ones where they might not be the absolute biggest name in world football, but as we've d- spoken to many Aussies on this pod already, it's one of those things where their story is something that we can relate to, you know, 
to another. It, it goes another level. Would you agree oh, with yeah, that? Yeah, completely. And I think it, it, it's for someone that has been, I guess, around the footballing scene for such a long time. We have to keep in mind, really, he's only twenty twenty six. So he's only a, he's yes, only a few yes. Years I do forget old. that he's sometimes. Only, yeah, he's only three and a half, four years older than us. So realistically, you know, he's been around the footballing scene for a while, and you know, he made his debut for Australia last year but he's going to be great to see you know what what sort of journey ryan's been on especially you know since since he sort of left portsmouth and now he's done the full circle and is back at portsmouth and really stringing together a great run of games it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see sort of um i guess how his career has panned out thus far it's pretty nuts to think woody that we are 42 episodes in and we are now, I don't care, no one can take this away from us after this episode. We are interviewing and have, after this episode, interviewed a Socceroo. Mm. Someone with a cap for the Socceroos. And I think, you know, it's just something that we couldn't have even thought possible when we first started this pod. So, you know, thanks to everyone out there who gives it a listen. Because, <laughs> you believe it or not, people, the guests that we do get on, they do check to make sure, you know, this pod actually is worth coming on. So, you know, people <laughs> that listen, of course, make the pod. So, you know, it's it's worth a shout to those who listen. Yeah, Woody, it's been one of those times in football where now, instead of talking about if we're coming back, it's now when we're coming back. And But with that, there are other leagues which have been cancelled, which I feel like we get back on this pod once a week now and tell talk about a new league that's been cancelled. <laughs> but... um. This week, it's uh, the Scottish League that's, that's thrown, thrown the tail in. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it, it's, it's really weird because this one sort of came out of nowhere. I thought if the UK were looking like they were going to continue, the Scottish League would be right there with them. Um, but anyway, the, the Scottish Premier League really uh, was called off in, in the last week and Celtic were awarded their ninth consecutive title, which is crazy. Uh, and when you think of the quality of the Rangers side as well, that's in there. This season, um, it's great that they um, won the league. But, however, it just shows that I think the Scottish Premier League is a bit of a, a one-way street in terms of title races. But I think what is really interested me is the story at the other end of the table. And that is the Hearts going down. Because the Hearts spent a... This is outrageous. The Hearts spent a bucket load of money like and, and just to try and, and you know try and negate Celtic winning the silverware yet again. However, they're the ones that are actually going down. They've pulled a Fulham, spent the most they've ever spent in a transfer window, and they find themselves getting relegated. And the story is, Damo, ninth place uh, currently. St. Mirren's last game was at home to the Hearts. And a night that that odds on, it was actually um, odds on that the game was going to get cancelled because if anyone was found coughing at the turnstiles, they wouldn't be let in and the game was going to get called off. Anyway, nevertheless, the game was really on the threshold of, of, uh, of, of when the league was postponed. So it probably shouldn't have even gone ahead and... Touch and go. Yeah, completely touch and go. And with that, Samirin won, and that's what has kept them safe. Because if they had lost 1-0 instead of winning 1-0, they would have actually gone to the bottom of the league and would have been the relegated team with Hart staying up. However, St. Mirren's would have gone down not on points gained or goal difference, but on goals scored because the ma- margins were so thin. Imagine that. And the Hearts now find themselves in a serious predicament, Damo, because they are looking at some very, very harsh financial repercussions for the club. And 
you know, the club put out a statement as well uh, from their chairman saying that, you know, legal action would be both time-consuming and costly for the league, but the cost of the club, and I quote, would outweigh these considerations. So they're in a predicament themselves. It's, it's a fascinating time in football, and we're going to see issues that arise post this sort of, you know, episode that, you know, no one has ever seen before. And it's going to be, it's going to be super, super interesting. And I think the, what makes it so interesting is you, there is not a single person on this planet that knows what the football world will look like six months from now. No, completely. And I think that's the first time in history, well, since probably the world wars, where something like this has rocked the football world. I know, you know, other things have happened in the world, but from a footballing perspective, the the core nature of the game has never been shook as much as this. But steering back to the Premier League, as this is a Premier League podcast, it is worth noting that although not too much has happened on field, players are heading back to training, Woody. Uh, but it's not without some sort of debate. Mate, it is not. And I can tell you for one, Troy, De- Troy Deeney has pretty publicly said he's not going back to train because his five-month-year-old son has breathing problems and any way that he would train or interact with um, his fellow teammates would at large put his son at risk as well. But you know what? It's really weird because how can they enforce all these social distancing uh, uh, measures but then in in the 18-yard box they might they might fit in 22 people. So who knows? Like this is this is a pretty whack pretty whack situation and bit of a bit of a juxtaposition really like compared to the standards that they're trying to put out. Mate, it's insane. And of course, six players uh, over the last few days have tested positive to the virus. Uh, I think three of them, if I'm correct, have come from Watford. Uh, one player and two staff members all the other way around. I'm not quite sure. Can't remember. But in saying that, yeah, Troy Deeney now, probably even more than a couple of days ago, has the right to say, no, I'm not going not to come to training. I'm not going to play. And given his circumstances, you, you can't help but agree with him. Mm. But on the other hand, you sort of can't help but agree with the people who say the ne- the league needs to restart. And, and this isn't about awarding titles or, or sorting out relegation and stuff like that. It's more just the fact that people's jobs are on the line here. So there really has to be a balancing act. And finding that balancing act is proving to be pretty difficult. And, you know, uh, uh, each week we come back with a new date of a possible starting date. And I'm not even going to say one this week because, honestly, I'm not sure. I really am not mm. sure. But I'd imagine about, you know, maybe we come back next week and we're going to have a very, very much clearer picture of uh, of what's going to happen. But on a more funnier side, Woody, N'Golo Kante has hair. Mate. N'Golo Kante has hair. You said before hair. that no one would know what football looks like in six months. And I tell you what, I don't think anyone would have known that Kante had the ability to grow hair. I just <laughs> thought he was permanently Mate, bald, to be honest with you. It was literally like what people thought. He couldn't. It was the only thing Kante couldn't do, and now he can do that as well. <laughs> he's just, it's out he's of this perfect, world, isn't he? <laughs> it's the, so the man weird has no boundaries. It's just, it's so so weird. And I reckon what was weirder is seeing Ross Barkley rocking a beard. I reckon it's the first time I've ever seen him po- like have anything other than a supremely clean face. And obviously, we've we've been closely following his story since he was in evident youngster so it's just so weird to see these guys with these post iso haircuts just so rare to see so so rare mate even a man that's that's uh gone off to italy ashley young man united ex-captain he has hair now and i was looking this up from his days back at aston villa 
He was as bald as you can get. <laughs> like, where has this come from? Like, over 10 years, man. And, like, now you decide. Like, isolation's really got to the few players' heads, literally. <laughs> it really has. Mate, strange. It's next level. Very strange areas. And, you know, what? I'm actually hanging out to see what Sammy's growing uh, in, in his, ISO, his ISO period because we know he's not working at the moment. And... I know when he when he's not working, he gets a little bit lazy, and and so I can only imagine the sort of bum fluff he's going on that upper lip of his. And Damo, it probably doesn't Mate, compare to the to the gear that it. you got going at the moment. Oh yeah, no, thank thank you, Woody. At the moment, I'm not going to lie; it's out of control a little bit, <laughs> but uh, it will get a will get a trim. Of course, got a haircut today as well, Woody, which you th- thought kindly mentioned yeah, uh, pre pod. Yeah, I was surprised you didn't mention it in the intro, to be honest. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Cheers for the compliment pre-pod, Woody. And uh, yeah, the, the beard will get sorted out. But uh... <laughs> All right, I think it's time that we stop piss fighting around. And Damo, you better stop talking about your hair because honestly, I've heard nothing uh, nothing but the, con- the topic of your hair for the last eight years that we've been mates. So... I think it's time that we get into uh, the Ryan Williams interview because we know that he actually has a better mane of hair than you and he is better at you than pretty much in every other department as well. So <laughs> I reckon, No arguments here. No, no, no arguments, arguments at all. And once you, once, you play, once you play in England, then you can talk about your hair, I reckon. So, all right, let, let, let's get stuck into it. We're getting Ryan Williams on the line. Let's do it. Alrighty, so we've got the big Ryan Williams on the line. Finally, it's been a, a it's the turnaround of this interview has gone pretty quickly. Actually, we sort of got in touch with you only a few days ago, and and luckily you've said yes to come on. Ryan, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah I'm good. Um, obviously, how it's come come about so fast is obviously I've got, I've got a lot of spare time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you would have been busting a gut to get on the pod anyway, though. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I messaged you, didn't I? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. We wish that happened to us all the time, actually. <laughs> all right, uh, Ryan, how's isolation been treating you? Obviously, you've got a young family, um, you know, right in the Portsmouth first team at the moment. And, 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 you know, I'm sure you've got plenty of friends and stuff that are stuck in ISO as well. So how have you been sort of tackling it? And what's the situation been like for you? Um, yeah, it's been a, it's, it's starting to drag on a little bit now. Um, obviously, it's a lot different here to, to what it's like in Australia. Obviously, my family... Are in Perth, and they're like they're allowed gatherings of like twenty people. They're down the golf course, um, going to each other's houses for barbecues and stuff like that. And with with me and my missus and, and my son, we we live down here. And the closest people to us is 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 our mum, which is like four and a half hours drive away. So, um, so yeah, it's, yeah, I know it's been it's been pretty tough because it's been real real strict over here. Like before last week, you you were you were only allowed out of the house. Or to, to to either go to the supermarket or or for one hour of exercise. So that first part mm-hmm. was pretty tough, but now but now it's alright. I feel pretty lucky because I got like a half decent back uh, back garden, which which the, uh, the little one runs around in, and and the weather's actually not been too bad. So so it's been okay. It's obviously tough mm-hmm. miss football and that, but but <laughs> I mean there's a lot bigger things I suppose sometimes to uh, to worry about it, but. Um, but obviously, just for like 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 every footballer and every probably football fan, we just want to get back to playing football. 
Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, you've got you've got a little little dude running around the house. That must be incredible fun. But how's that been going in terms of uh, managing the training regime as well? Like, how have you handling those two you know, parts of your life being in the same house? And also, you know, have the club uh, Portsmouth just like given you a strict regime, or is it sort of do your own thing? How's that all come about? Yeah, um, well, it's it's pretty hard with a little one because like like. Uh, I only get what two hours a day to myself between seven and seven to actually do something where I'm not looking after him. So if I need to do something, yeah, exactly. So the, so the missus looks after him. Um, if 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 I want to do something outside of that twelve to two kind of period, but um, but yeah, the club have given us a a program. They've they've kind of given us a six week program, but they've been giving it to us kind of drip feeding us drip feeding it to us just because obviously. At the start of like, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, no one knew what was happening. No one still knows what's happening with League One. So it's been kind of tailored to kind of it's remaining fit but not overdoing it because obviously by overdoing it, we may, I don't know, for instance, if we play our last two games in August and then the season starts again in September, you don't want to kind of, mm-hmm. and then you've got the full season ahead of you, you don't want to kind of uh, tip the scales if you know what I mean by doing too much. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I guess just to kick off your whole footballing career as a whole, you know, how did you sort of fall in love with the game and, and how did you sort of, um, you know, transition from growing up uh, into a professional career as well? Um, so the growing up into the professional thing kind of, like I seen my older brother restore and it was kind yeah. of, it, it just seemed normal because he went and did it and then it was just always something that we were that we were going to do. Um, to be honest with you, like I've, I've said to people before, I never really, I was, I was into athletics as a kid. Like, like I did uh, like sprinting and jumping and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was only when I was about 12 or 13, my twin brother, Aaron. So we, we, mm-hmm. we could do two, two sports, one winter sport, which was football outside. And then my summer sport at the time was athletics and his was indoor football. And I was getting quite jealous of him and my older brother was talking about football and, going to indoor and playing playing indoor football and that. So I sat the athletics. So I started doing in, indoor football in the summer and obviously outdoor football in the winter. And then it kind of just grew from there. And then I kind of, well, my mum supported Arsenal, my family supported Arsenal. So grew up watching Thierry Henry. And then when I was about, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say about 12, 12, 13, I kind of just couldn't get enough of it, you know, just all the players, all the different leagues. Like I remember, I don't know if they still have it in Australia, Satanta. That channel, I don't know, but anyway, you, uh, definitely that, Isabel. It got cancelled a few years ago, actually. So, oh, okay, that sucks. I used to watch like <laughs> French, F- French league, Spanish league, like everything. Like I literally just couldn't get enough of it. And to be fair, it's the same, same today. I just like football for me. Even if I didn't play, I'd still be watching it and trying to trying to get involved. You know. Yeah, for sure. Right, we've had like a few. Uh, Aussie players come on from around the globe and I've found a common theme with all of you guys is that you sort of just you know play off the childhood football like oh yeah you know like I'd kick around like for example you you played with your or you wanted to play with your older brother uh, you know you followed him around as such and, and you know you just sort of develop a passion for the game but you said your main thing was athletics up until I think the age of 13 you said but like, come on, man, like surely all of you guys just knew at like age 14 that you were just better than every single one of your mates. Like, I, I just can't <laughs> understand how you just don't know that you're like 
unbelievable Mate, at the game. Damo, the only reason you're saying that is because you were that kid that was crap. And and it, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan would have been that guy that was so much better than you. He would have been jealous. Because you got two left feet, mate. You can't kick for <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, that's an that's a, uh, interesting question. Um, no, I was... I don't know, really. You just kind of... As a kid, you don't really... You're just confident. At, like, I, was, I was confident at, at all sports, you know, even footy which I was crap at I still kind of enjoy, enjoyed playing that a little bit but like I don't know really you kind of just you yeah this is a diff- difficult question actually. we've stumped him <laughs> yeah I mean at the time yeah I probably would have said being a little 13 14 right yeah I'm better than him blah blah you know so yeah. definitely I think that I think that confidence uh, at that early age playing football maybe I didn't verbally say anything or or anything like that but when i was on the pitch yeah i definitely felt like i was i was better than people and i could take the ball past them and stuff like that but i don't think like it would ever ever get mentioned verbally you know because that's i don't even from a young age it's definitely not someone that i've i've ever been you know my family uh would always make you keep your feet on the ground obviously have an older brother that would punch in the head and stuff like that so (laughs) yeah. yeah Just just getting stuck into that, actually, what's it like? Obviously, you know, your older brother was probably um, you know, ahead of you in terms of, uh, like, I guess, getting into his footballing career. What was it like having that as a sort of a barometer, but then also something to look towards um, in terms of shaping your career and your career choices as well? Um, yeah, it's a different one because, like, like now, obviously, like I reflect on his career, my comp- uh, and my career and stuff like that, and I can take bits, bits from his career. But like, it's 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 so hard to kind of to say I could have done this, he could have done that, because obviously mm-hmm. everyone's careers are so different. Like for instance, I made my championship debut when I was seventeen. Reese made his, I think, when he was nineteen or twenty. But he made his international mm-hmm. debut at twenty-one. I made mine at twenty-five. Twenty-five. Yeah, yeah twenty-five. And, like, in between that time, like, you know, our careers have just taken a completely different path, you know. Um, could be because of um, his position compared to my position. I don't know, whatever. But I think looking at him growing up, that's literally, like, even when he wasn't playing football, like, even the music he'd listen to, you know, I'd just try and copy everything he did. So for me and my twin brother, we everything we did was based around going to England, like, even my – like – even to do with schoolwork and stuff like that. Like, I'm not saying I didn't mm-hmm. try at school, but I always, that that was always, it was, it was, it was not an option. It was, that's, that's, that's what we were doing, you know, like it, it never crossed my mind that I wouldn't go over to England to play football. And I think, I think it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing because that's kind of probably what got me over the line, but also could have, could have turned out to be a bad thing because obviously just because my older brother done it doesn't mean it's going to be uh, something that's, that that I can do, you know, but luckily, yeah, luckily sure. enough, all, uh, all three of us ended up going over and having a having a spell in England. That that I find that remarkable how you just like absolutely set on that happening, and obviously you just said that you know if it doesn't, it could turn into a little bit of a disaster. But obviously it did for you. And could you just talk us through sort of the process of going to Portsmouth from you know just. It, you know, growing up in Perth, you said like, where, where do you? How does that even happen? How do you go from Perth to Portsmouth? Yeah, well, that's it. Um, so, there, so there was an agent. He's still he's, he's still around. His name's Gary Williams. Um, so he he had quite a reputation for taking younger Aussie players over to England. 
Uh, he had some connect connections in uh, in in England, stuff like that. And he's actually been friends with my mum for thirty years before I was born, or something like that. You know, so mm-hmm. that's how they got, that's how they knew each other anyway. But um, but um, but yeah, he he's kind of started off with 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 Rick, with Reese really. Um, he's seen Reese. Reese went over on trial to Middlesbrough, signed him, um, and then obviously he knew that. Reese had two younger brothers, so he was always keeping an eye out. But also at at the time, um, the club I was at, ECU Joondalup. I don't know if you know them, but it's a local mm-hmm. team. Uh, Academy in Perth, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um. So that basically was known as an English club because most clubs are quite ethnic, and ours was ours was English. And um, at the time, ECU was was known for sending players to England, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So that's why we moved from another team to ECU and then ended up just kind of going from there. So it was, and then anyway, from, from that point, I think it came over first of all, when Reese was over here, it wasn't even a trial. I came and trained with Aston Villa and stuff like that. And I kind of thought, wow, like these kids are unbelievable, you know, that like, and then um, ended up coming back when I was about 14 or 15 I went to quite a few different clubs. Um, Portsmouth was the first club that came over for a proper trial, and mm-hmm. uh, they offered me a contract um, within a couple of days. But then I had other clubs to go to as well. So I ended up where did I go? I went to Sheffield Wednesday, went to Middlesbrough, Sunderland, and teams like that, you know. But um, but Portsmouth for me had had the best kind of vibe, and I didn't. I had a chance to kind of go because what sometimes happens is teams ask you to go back after your trial to have another look at it just to kind of confirm, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and Middlesbrough was actually one of them teams, and it would have been quite easy for me to have said, "Yeah, okay, I'll go to Middlesbrough because my brother's there." But me being me, I wanted to kind of not distance myself, but just go and kind of be myself and and kind of kind of create my own path and do it a little bit differently to what to how Reese did it, you know, wouldn't, didn't want, mm-hmm. like, if I had got into the first team, people might have just said, oh, he's only there because of his brother, you know, that just, that was the last thing I wanted. Yeah, for sure, and obviously, your your brother Aaron probably did the same as well, he diversified in that, in that he went to Burnley as well, so you got, sort of all took um, different paths in, in that sense as well, but then, Specifically with your career, you've been through a fair share of clubs' doors, in that you've been out on loan a few times as well, and you've, signed for a few different clubs and obviously you're now back at Portsmouth where you sort of graduated from the youth academy there but what's it like sort of going out on loan and and, and sort of transitioning from club to club is the is the transition difficult or or is it seamless in that sense as you get older you kind of you kind of get used to it a bit more when you're younger it is quite daunting because you're going into a change room and and there might be three wingers sat there, you know, and you're going over, shaking their hand, hello, and they, they obviously know you're there to take their place. So it's, it's daunting. It's the same as trials, really, because obviously you're there to take the other person's position. Um, but but yeah, you're right. I have been through a few few clubs, to be fair. Um, the lone ones, uh, I enjoyed my loans. I thought they were great, you know, like, especially when I was at Fulham. I went on loan to Oxford. That was my first real full season at men's level, and it was amazing, you know. It was kind of, showed you how how much football meant to 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 all the players and and all the fans and stuff like that you know because it's all well and good coming off the bench every now and then for a for a bigger team at a higher level but once you're playing every single week and the team kind of ends up relying on you and you know you need them they need you type of thing you you it, mm-hmm. it does kind of open your eyes to 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 football as a whole i think um 
Yeah, I mean the the loan the loan thing. I, I mean, I got I, I went to Oxford, like I said, and then I went to mm-hmm. to Barnsley after that. So I, I played a couple of times at Fulham um, with the manager there. The manager got sacked and then just completely just got got binned out of the first team squad into the bloody yeah, yeah. Uh, under twenty three under twenty three's dressing room and then um, <laughs> managed managed to yeah. So um, that's pretty that's pretty stiff. Yeah, it can literally flip on its head, but it can happen like the other way, you know. Like I've, I, mm-hmm. I was saying, I said to my missus yesterday, like the last three or four seasons, I've not started the first first game of the season, but I've ended up playing more than the wingers in my that, that I've been playing with anyway, you know. Mm. So sometimes, it's, sometimes it's like that. That's like football, like the kind of mentality you got to kind of not uh, jump to conclusions straight away, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I think earlier on in your career, it reminded me even last season. I specifically read you saying, you know, you don't really count. I don't think there was a few people doubting uh, whether you're over sort of some injury issues, and and you said, you know, I'm I don't really count a season, or I don't count playing in a season unless I'm really being involved for 25 to I guess that 30 game range. Um, and if you look at if you look at your season with Oxford, really, that was probably the first season where you got. That those sort of numbers under your belt, and in in actual fact, it was your best scoring season of of your career. Um, so I guess in that sense, as you mature as a player, do you find that um, your role changes, and, and sort of how do you adapt when clubs ask, I guess, different things of you as well? Yeah, um, well, it's different because each each to, each each clubs have different styles of play. You know, like I'd say when I when I was at Rotherham, I didn't get many goals, but especially the season win the championship I got one goal that season um because the other team had the ball most of the time and that was kind of that, that, that was what it was like at Rotherham a little bit we would kind of mm-hmm. we would kind of chase not not chase a game but we'd high press and stuff like that we would uh would would play quite english you know go 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 long early and stuff like that um whereas when I was at Oxford um Chris Wilder was a manager at the time for a, for a, for a bit of the season. Um, mm-hmm. We played like a four four two, and I was really narrow. So when the ball was on the left and the ball was down the middle, I was always making that run uh, in between the center half and the and and the fullback, you know. Um, and our right back never really got back got forward as much as probably right backs do these days. Um, and so it was sweet for me. If I if 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 I went up the pitch and lost the ball, he'd always be there behind me anyway. So obviously I'd I'd try and get back, but he'd always be there to cover me anyway. Whereas these days I'd probably get relied on a little bit more defensively, which is sweet, you know, because yeah, yeah. I mean sometimes like football, like like that season, I enjoyed that season, scored some goals and stuff like that. But to be honest with you, I'd rather be winning games. Like I'd rather, like obviously everyone loves to score. I want to score. It's something that definitely I think I should do more definitely. But um, but I'd I I'd I'd rather help the team out as a as a whole in terms of what I do defensively and going forward because I think I can offer both and I think that's what uh, a lot of different managers see different things in different people. Um, and I think that's one thing that they've seen in me here. I'm not saying I'm a defensive winger, yeah. I'm not in the slider, but. But I'm saying I can I can run all day, you know. So um, it's been well. The style of play is it is it is a little, a little bit different. We don't exactly pass the ball proper and create open chances and stuff like that. It's more like crosses in the box. So um, mm-hmm. the manager does ask a lot in terms of so 
Mark, what three three goals were scored this season? They've all two of them kind of been back post tap ins type of thing, you know, and then one of them from the edge of the box. But the chances have been kind of few and far between as well because it's quite hard to get all the way in the box and then be expected to get all the way back in defensively, you know. So yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. you have to. I need to be a little bit more selfish in 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 that kind of context, you know, um, mm-hmm. which is one thing that I think, yeah, I definitely should do, and I get more more goals and a bit probably a bit, bit more notoriety. Um, but um, but yeah, look, look, I'm 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 enjoying my football. And I'm I am I am trying to score more goals. But um, if we get promoted, then I mean that's the that's a goal at the end of the day. I, uh, I had a few uh, one big question planned, but I did hear something during that answer that sort of makes me postpone it, and that is, what's Chris Wilder like as a manager? Is he as ruthless and hard as you know he portrays to the media? Yeah, definitely. Like I was only 19, 18, 19 when I was there, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a that was a not a rude. Nobody builds five G like Verizon builds five G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Awakening, but it was like, she's just like, you know, wouldn't... He would, he would he would get in your face, but he didn't do it to me as much he, because obviously he knew I was young and stuff like that. But he did it to uh, to some of the other boys, and it was actually quite funny. He used to get in their faces and scream and stuff like that. Um, so so yeah, he is exactly he is exactly what he says on the on the tin, you know. Um, <laughs> but but no, he's a he's a he's a like, there is there's not really a lot of people or managers like that, you know, these days. So like everyone said, it's it's really refreshing. Yeah, for sure. Um, on throughout your journey, uh, I'll take Chris Wilder again as an example. You you would have met hundreds, if not thousands, of people in football, not just teammates, but staff members, etc. Do uh, like not just keep in touch. Obviously, you're going to have people you were closer with than others. But is it is the football world sort of a case where if you played with someone for whether it be just a season, maybe five years ago, is it a relationship that you have? With the people you work with, where you still can go and talk about things that happened five years ago, even if you hadn't seen them for five years, or is it sort of, you know, it's the ruthlessness of the industry and we sort of move with the times? Uh, yeah, I'd probably say moves with the times, really. Like, I'll be quite honest with you, I don't really speak to to anyone from my past clubs. Every now and then I will, you know, if we've seen them, it's like, uh, like it's like the same as my mates in Australia, we don't talk that often, but when you see, but when we see each other, it's like nothing's changed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It just, it just obviously like depends. Like for instance, my mate at Rotherham, Richard Wood, I was really close to him. I was there for two seasons, shared lifts and stuff like that. Um, we get on the phone. I've spoke to him since I've been away, probably twice over the phone, you know, it's nice to catch mm-hmm. up. And then um, when you see him, it's like nothing's changed. So um, no, I, I probably wouldn't say no one, uh, goes out of their way to speak to each other, but when, but when but when they see each other, always have a good chat and and it's good. Like you said, sometimes to reflect on um, on stuff from the past, but usually if you're at different clubs, you don't really go down that route, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And I think 
it's a good point to sort of expand on as well because if you look at your career and where you've sort of been and, we, and then we sort of shift the focus onto sort of where you want to go and obviously you said Portsmouth, the ultimate goal is to get promoted. Um, I guess, so where do you sort of see your career spanning out? Keeping in mind, you're really only 26 and in, in, in the footballing sense, you've still got plenty of great years left in you. Where do you sort of see the rest of your career panning out? Do you want to stay in England or do you sort of want to venture further overseas or, or, or where do you sort of see that journey taking you? Um, I'm pretty open to everything. I'd probably say like when I was younger, I probably would have said, I thought I would be maybe uh, a bit further in my career than what I am now. But I mean, that's, that's, that's hindsight. You know, I had quite a, like quite a bad injury and, and stuff like that on the way. Um, but no, I mean, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm open to anything to be honest. Um, I am me, me and my family, we, we, we really enjoyed in the UK, you know? Um, and like you said, I'm only 26. So I still got, still got a lot of, good years i got my best years ahead of me you know probably from 26 to to 29 30 is probably in terms of earning as well probably your main earning capacity in terms of uh, to go out and you know try and try and earn kind of more money at that point in your career i'd say is is, is, is your kind of your best time as well but um mm-hmm. yeah in terms of where i want to go i want to go as high as possible i'm going to try and go mm-hmm. as high as possible because I mean, there isn't no point in, in 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 being a footballer if you if you're just gonna say yeah, I just want to play at this level. If we get promoted, oh, that's good, but I'm okay with League One. Like I'm not okay with League One. I want to play in the Championship and maybe sneak up into the Premier League with a with a with a Championship club. You know, because you've seen it done before. I've seen it done plenty of times. I've been here a long time, and I've seen players go into Championship teams, Championship squads, and stuff like that. And they all have they have a good season and get get promoted by the playoffs and then they're in the Premier League and like there's a there's 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 one player that was at Cardiff um, oh, I forgot his name the winger uh, yeah I forgot his name anyway he was playing at Rochdale uh, in League One and they were bottom of the league whatever his contract was up went to Cardiff played in the Championship had a good had a good season they got promoted that season went to the Premier League had a good season in the Premier League, you know, and it, it can literally turn that quickly. Like I said to you, yeah, like yeah. one minute I was, I was at Fulham in, in the first team and that, and then next minute I'm in the 23 dressing room without without anything, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going to keep working as hard as I can and and try and make my own luck, you know, um, and just, like I said, just try and do everything I can because it's, a, as everyone says, the old cliche, it's a short career, but... I'm still really excited for for what is to come for myself, you know. Um, yeah, in terms sure, of sure. definitely, yeah, like in 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 terms of like soccerers and stuff like that, I I definitely don't want to be a a one cut player, you know. I want to try and try and get in there and try and maybe be a more common face around it, you know. Maybe 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 won't start games. I don't know. Obviously, me personally, I want to. Um, but we'll see, you know, because my, my aspirations are something that obviously I, I, I hold uh, with me and, and my family, you know. Um, and we we talk about it over and over about what I want to do uh, in my career going forward. And, and we're going to kind of, yeah, again, another cliche, shoot for the stars and all that lot. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, you got to have fun doing it. I, like, I really enjoy what I do. I love my life here, you know. We're on the south coast near the beach, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
my son's grown up and he's 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 loving it down here and you've got to have the both you can't just for me anyway i don't think i'd i'd, I'd much rather try and play in england and try and get further here to have probably a better uh, a better career in terms of who you've played, where you've played, uh, you know, rather than... I'm not saying I wouldn't go to Asia, but I'm saying that's not on my mind at the moment. Yep. Mm, for sure. Cool, yeah, yeah. Um, you did mention the Socceroos, and obviously it's, I think, you know, safe to say everybody's, you know, peak level that they can get to in Australian football. Everybody wants to represent the Socceroos. And we've got the World Cup coming up, uh, at the end of 2022, and well, so yeah, coming up is a bit of a generous term, but and then the Asian Cup <laughs> in 2023, but it's all in pretty jam packed space of time, which tends to happen because of the scheduling with the Asian Cup. Um, is it sort of a you know, in your mind, is it something you've thought about in that that six months could be a real opportunity to you know break into the Socceroos and and as you said, become a more known face? Um, and then sort of, I've sort of smashing two questions here at once but with that how was being in the Socceroos squad for a little bit last year and you know did you learn anything that maybe you can't learn at club level yeah so I'll, I'll answer the second question first um it was we went to Korea um and my brother was there and one of my childhood mates was there Adam Taggart as well so it was all it was it was it was it was a surreal experience. I really really enjoyed it, and it kind of made me so much more hungry for more. You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was honestly it was awesome. Obviously, spending a lot of time with my older brother there because otherwise I wouldn't have had any chance to spend time with him because I didn't actually that summer I didn't actually go back to Australia because my summer was only three months. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, look, it was something I dreamt about for such a long time, such a long time because I remember Reese used to be in the Socceroos when he was younger and I was, I think I was about 15, something like that, 14, 15, when he was about 20, 21, something like that. Anyway, I think he's about 16. And um, we used to go over to Melbourne and watch him play. I remember we watched him against Japan at the MCG with his, I think it was his debut or something like that. And all the family were there and seeing all the, all the Socceroos and their tracksuits in the, in the lobby, you know, just small things like that, but it just, just stuck with me for ages. Just something that I yeah, always yeah. wanted, you know? I just remember it so clearly him always getting called up and for Australia and then from that point on it's just something that like I literally just I, I try and forget sometimes you know like sometimes when when you don't get picked or whatever you think oh okay whatever but then you just always you just always your heart goes back to it you know it's something that for me is really for me really important for others might not be as important to play internationally and stuff like that but for me it's massive you know like you said it's the it's the pinnacle of Australian football um, one way or another um, and in terms of the World Cup and the Asian Cup and stuff like that like like, like we touched on before I'm 26 now um, hopefully we'll be playing in, in the championship next season going on to be 27 and then 27, 28 going into the World Cup Asian Cup I mean if you couldn't really be a better time in terms of mm, peak sure. performance and stuff like that so so yeah, definitely, it's it's um, it's de- definitely something that I want to be a part of, of course, um, and it's something that I think if I if I keep playing well and stuff like that and get to the higher level, um, then like I said, I want to make my face a lot more known than probably what it is now in Australia. Well, I mean, like you said, obviously making that Socceroos cap was probably I think it's probably fair to say well, probably one of the proudest moments that you've actually 
had during your career is being able to represent Australia on an international level. Um, but then also, I think I think it would probably be an understatement to say that uh, you're an Arsenal fan. We, we know that you are a gunner through and through. Um, and uh, <laughs> you managed to play against Arsenal in an FA Cup tie um, earlier on this year in March. And can you just let us know, like, what was that like playing against the club that you have supported for your whole life? Yeah, mental because when it when it came about, I got so many messages from my family and stuff, all all, all back in person. And, oh, I can't believe you got asked, you got asked, and and luckily enough, it was actually on TV, so so they could actually mm-hmm. watch. Um, it's a shame it wasn't at Arsenal at, at, at Emirates, sorry, because <laughs> I wanted to get I wanted to get the old red and white shirt, but but anyway, yeah, it was it, it was awesome. It was such a good night. Um, obviously, we lost two 0 but it was so enjoyable, you know, because. I mean that I played against that Saka, who's who's going to be an unbelievable <laughs> player. And he was he was he was great, you know. I mean, you also had you also had Martinelli on the same wing as you as well, so that would have been pretty surreal. Yeah, it was it was good. It was it was it was good fun, you know. But um, enjoyed it. Managed to get uh, Danny Ceballos' shirt as well, which was cool. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, it was sick. It was such an enjoyable night because our fans are our fans are sick. Like, and every time the Premier League cu- club comes to town they always show up well they show up all the time but this was this was something different you know because it would have been a long time since the last time Arsenal had come and played at, at Fratton Park and yeah like I think for first half um, we actually could have gone ahead like mm-hmm. and if we had gone they, they scored like the 45th minute like they scored just before half time off a free kick second phase blah 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 it was really disheartening, you know, because we was we was right in the game, and then second half they just started to pop it about, move us about, and their wing backs were like the two wingers come inside, and the two wing backs just bombing on. So I was like a second right back from for majority of the second half, but uh, but still, yeah, still enjoyable. It's just awesome to see um, them in the flesh, obviously for one, but also to test yourself against against Premier League opposition, Champions League op- mm. uh, opposition. You know, you you're playing against. Socrates, you're playing against David Luiz. Like I said, Denis Alvarez is at Real Madrid. Saka, who's going to be good. Martinelli, you know, it's like it's so. It, it was fun, you know, and it was great. Again, like I said, to just to test yourself. Mm. Well, I mean, like you said, that first 45 minutes, you guys were really right in it, and I think it was Socrates that actually scored the first goal. And like you said, it was off a second phase of a free kick. But I vividly remember, I actually in preparation for this, I went and watched majority of the game as well and I saw there was this there was this one point I think it was a 20 something minute and you took this incredible touch and you sort of turned Ceballos inside out um and 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 you and you played this wicked one too which which led to a chance inside your box what was the adrenaline like going through that game especially in the lead up when you know you're playing such a big game does does your mindset sort of change when you know you're playing I guess um, a Champions League level team, or, or someone that is in um, the Premier League, does, does your does your approach to a game sort of change, and, and sort of does your mindset alter at all? Like, what's what's what differs, does, or does anything differ at all? Um, not really. I find when you say, for instance, like that little uh, backflip that I did, you mm-hmm. get more confidence from. from he knows exactly what it was. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> Every night before he goes to bed, he goes, "Hey, love, watch this." 
<laughs> no, um, no, it's um, it's all it's all it's all pretty similar. But um, you know, especially when it's on TV and you got your family watching, you wanna you wanna do them proud. So that game had kind of everything rolled into one. It was me against my boyhood club, my family watching on TV, which is which is obviously good like marketing point for yourself as well, obviously. Um, and you want to show that possibly you could play in the Premier League, you know. Um, so there was. A lot of added pressure. I put a lot of added pressure on myself, but usually when I do that is is when I actually play my best football, you know. So it kind of worked worked out perfectly. I think. Uh, well, we played Southampton earlier on in the season. They they came to us, and we, although we lost, I ended up getting man, uh, man of the match of that game. Um, uh, like <laughs> because um, <laughs> it just it just it's just something about when when you play bigger teams that you you show up. You know, you, you, you make sure you're going to show up. I mean, you try and make sure you're going to show up every week, but sometimes it's hard. But it's kind of the same in our league, you know, when 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 lower league, not lower league, but lower end of the table opposition in League One come to Fratton Park and play us. I'm not saying it's the same effect, but teams usually show up, you know, because they're playing in front of 18,000 fans and iconic kind of stadium and stuff like that you know they they do end up showing up and it's and it's and it's it's a, it's a bit of a scalp mm. us in league one mm. as as was arsenal uh, for us in this fa cup game um and that's i mean the game before we played we played barnsley at home and we beat them i think it was 4-1 or 4-2 so that was a kind of a scalp for us league one beating a championship club and we wanted to do the same against arsenal so um everyone everyone showed up everyone made a good account of themselves and it was like I said it was only 2-0 obviously it's still lost but probably maybe could have been more so mm. so yeah uh, it was a, it was a scout we went to the tape but we just couldn't quite just couldn't quite get there mm-hmm. you made a really interesting point um, about how it being on TV was uh, potentially something you know as a positive in terms of a marketing perspective which I I found really interesting and it sort of leads me into a question where look we have heaps of Aussie players around the world which might actually like you know people don't actually realize how many Australian football players there are around the globe um and does does this frustrate you at all that you know if for example someone like yourself stayed in the A-League you potentially might be a more well-known face for example you know at the local pub in Melbourne compared to to what you are even though you'd probably be or clearly be playing at a higher level or you are playing at a higher level does that sort of frustrate you that you don't sometimes get the recognition back here in Australia or does it not fuss you? No, nah, not really because at the end of the day, if I was to choose where I'd want recognition, you're going to say Europe, aren't you? UK or yeah, Europe, yeah. you know, because everyone here live, eats, breathes, sleeps football, whereas in Australia it's a bit different. Um, you know, and like I do want to be recognised more in Australia because I'm an, I'm, I'm an Australian player that's playing in the UK, you know. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it isn't easy to get over here. Um, uh, it does, it does kind of make me wonder sometimes if I did go down the A-League route, um, a couple of times, probably about th- three times I was going to come back actually. There was one, when I went on loan to, to Oxford, actually, I was going to actually go on loan to, to victory, but, um, uh, yeah, so that was, that, 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 that was quite a while ago. Um, I got advised not to do that, went to Oxford, enjoyed it. It was great, you know? Um, and then another time actually was just as I was going to go to uh, West Sydney. I won't say who the manager mm-hmm. was at the time, but I was I was quite 
close to going to West Sydney and like I'd kind of not agreed but verbally said yeah look I want to come um mm-hmm. and at that point my missus was crying and stuff like that so I like it was you know it was it was, it was a really hard time because you, you're kind of torn between two worlds really um because I wanted to on one hand it was it was during the time where I was kind of played with plagued with that injury and the medical advice in Australia and the season being shorter and the pre-season being longer was kind of the three main things for me that was wanting me to go home but then if I did go home it is a hell of a lot harder to come back over here you know so that was kind of why I ended up staying and for me it's been the best thing I've done is probably thanks to thanks to my missus Katie for um kind of talking me out of it I suppose um mm-hmm. but who knows what 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 could have happened I might have gone back and you know it's a risk because I could have gone back I could have absolutely torn up trees and then come back over here at a bigger club or whatever, or I could have gone there and I could have not flopped, but I could have not been as good as what I thought. I could have got injured again, you know, so everything's in hindsight. But for me, I'm glad I stayed here. Um, and I'm not too fussed about the recognition in Australia, really. Um, mm-hmm. The football football club here, Portsmouth, know me. Football clubs here in the UK known me. I've been kind of knocking around for a while now, like, like I said, since I was 17. So... So people people kind of know me and um, mm-hmm. in a in a in a different way to what they do in Australia. I mean, of course, like Portsmouth is probably has some of the greatest history, um, you know, of the English clubs over there. Obviously, they were in the Premier League not so long ago. When you think about it in in retrospect, it was only probably ten years ago that they were right up there in in the Premier League. But then also, it's funny you said victory because obviously your brother was at victory uh, for, for a just about a season as well. But um, I guess with every guest, we, we sort of like to go into a few quirky questions as well. So um, we haven't talked very much about the Premier League, but considering we are a Premier League podcast, we would love to know, uh, what is your ideal... <laughs> now, nah, to, to be honest, it's actually an interesting point that you bring up because um, I think as Australians, I think... Before we started a podcast, we didn't realize how many Australian players were really flying the flag overseas. So for us, it's actually a real privilege to 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 speak to players like yourself, and especially yourself, because it's not often that we get um, the opportunity to chat with athletes that have that have taken the chance and, and are, are brave really to go overseas because it is such a brave decision to actually go overseas. So for us, that was something that we really wanted to achieve is to, to sort of give you guys the limelight um, and yeah, show off the Australian talent that we have overseas that people don't really get to see. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess moving on before I, I sound like a too much of an idiot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wondering, could you give us your ideal Premier League five-a-side teams of, current, of the current Premier League crop? And it has to be a goalkeeper. Has to be a goalkeeper. Goalkeeper. It's been it's been that long. I can't even remember the, the players. Um, <laughs> who are we talking? Uh, yeah, it's got to be Alison Becker. I ain't going all Liverpool here. Obviously, I'm going to go for up front. I don't know really because obviously I love Arsenal, but there is obviously better players <laughs> in the league. So, no, nah, it's okay. We, we honestly we've had we've had some guests like choose uh, guests that uh, some people that we would have no like justification to put them in their team, but somehow like 
Um, they have the they have some will and some way to put these players in their team. But mate, feel free. Like honestly, if you could, put, if you can see this five aside team being successful, then it's probably worth a shout. Yeah. Okay. Um. So we'll go Aguero up front. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yep. Yep. Um. I'm gonna stick uh, Jack Grealish in there. Because uh, nice. I think he's yeah, I think he's and my missus loves him as well. But don't, but don't tell us that. Um, Mate, you should dye your hair. You'll actually probably look like him a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, him. So I'm going Aguero, Jack Grealish, and then who else am I going to stick in there? Um, I need a winger. Uh, so I'm going to put Mane. I'm going to like go. I'd prefer my. Okay, I'm going to go Mane over over Salah. Okay. Um, sure, sure. Yep. And th- and then I'm gonna go, uh, and then I'm gonna go. Kevin De Bruyne got to be. He's just gonna nice. Set, nice. Set everyone up there, isn't he? So that's, that's very nice. You're actually probably the first guest we've had that hasn't gone for like an out and out defender, uh, in the team, which I really like. I oh, really really like. It. Plenty. Yeah, I know. Plenty of attacking. Plenty of attacking. Yeah, it's it's like we've well, never, never actually, actually set attacking. any. Exactly, exactly. We've never set any limitations on what people could do other than the goalkeeper. And yeah, it's like even yourself who's like, Oh, we've we've got to chuck a winger in there. It's like well you don't really have to but but but, but everybody does. It's fun. (laughs) Um but next up, another quirky question. Um if you could have a sit down dinner for two to three hours with any Premier League footballer of your picking, who would you pick? Yeah, it's a hard one, eh? Um it gets absolutely everybody. Yeah. Surely, surely you pick Danny Ceballos and you'd ask him how you turned him inside out. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think he'd accept my invitation. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'd probably say someone. I'd probably say so, someone like Raheem Sterling because I think the way that he's gone about it and the way that he. He is as a person. I just think it'd be really interesting to talk to him because obviously he gets so much bad press. So mm. it'd be cool to actually see what he's. Well, I managed to get his shirt once, and he was like the coolest guy. Like he was sweet. Took my shirt. I've got his shirt. Whatever. And he seemed sweet, you know. Um, so it's a bit, a bit crap. Obviously that he gets, he gets targeted a bit. I reckon by the by the press. So I'd probably say him just out of pure curiosity to see what he's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. And to get some. Pointers, tips and that off him because he works with Pep and me. So yeah, yeah. How how'd that sort of come about? How'd you get his shirt? Uh, I was at Rotherham and we played him in the FA Cup. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Managed to get it. Uh, he was he was um right at the end of the game. Managed to just catch him down the tunnel. Oh, beauty. Yeah, no I, 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 I've got some I, good, I've got some half decent ones to be fair. Oh really? What what's what's the favourite one in your collection other than Danny Zabios? Go on, have a guess. He is a he's all time leading goal scorer for Chelsea, and he's like a. You do not. You are you serious? Yeah, I got it. So, you know who it is then? Oh, I assume it'd be Lampard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just unless, in case I got my facts wrong. Yeah, I was going to say. We would have had to re-record this bit if it was wrong, just because it would ruin all credibility for future podcasts. <laughs> no one would listen to us ever. Yeah. No, yeah, um, we play them. That always, It's always always in the FA Cup you manage to play them if, yeah, if you draw a Premier League team. Um, so, yeah, I played them in the FA Cup uh, away at Stamford Bridge when I was at Portsmouth when I was a kid. I was only 18. And 
at the time and managed to get his shirt. So it was sweet. That was that was a real surreal experience. Wow, as well. that's awesome. that's awesome. Yeah. So it's just, that probably leads into the next question. Who is the most famous person that you have in your phone contacts? <laughs> oh God. Um... I don't know, actually. Um, <laughs> Be careful what you say, because there's a fair chance whoever you say, Woody might end up messaging to come on, to ask him <laughs> to come into the podcast. So. Say, yeah, Ryan Williams said it was all good. So, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, I don't know. I don't really look in my phone, in my phone thing. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know. I want to say... No, Louis Bolomorte. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like just from my time at Fulham there, because uh, when I was at Fulham and you had some big players like Carno and Talbot yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, but I would never, ne- never, never ask for their phone numbers. <laughs> yeah, maybe Connor Hurahan at Villa. Oh, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, he's he's played he's played uh, most of the season. Actually, I think I think he only missed a couple of games so far this season for for Villa. So yeah, he's right up there. Yeah, scored some goals. Um, yeah, probably Connor. I played with him when he was when we were at, we were at Barnsley together. Um, so it's awesome to see see how well he's doing now. I yeah, reckon he's yeah, played. Awesome. See, he's got some goals, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah besides that, I don't really know. I couldn't really. I don't know. I don't. I don't have any luck. Like, Anyone like mad famous, you know, like you think, oh, yeah, fair enough. Um, and just to wrap it up, the last one I did hear in an interview that you had to do some sort of uh induction dance, uh, really early on in your career, and so <laughs> it got me thinking. Uh, well, first of all, you're going to tell us about like what that was about, but also, um, what's like your pump up song before the before a game do you have like a specific person who plugs their their phone in and and they choose the music or do you have like you know, your own taste yeah i kind of like in terms of pre-game like routines and that sometimes i'll use my headphones sometimes i'll listen to like happy music sometimes i'll listen to like some gangster stuff sometimes i'll listen to like some some corn like some some metal um yeah, it depends what the music lights in. It depends what the music is like in the change rooms. If it's if it's garbage, and I just put my headphones on. But there's no one in, in particular. Yeah. It's just kind of what kind of mood I'm in. Like sometimes I'll go Drake, sometimes I'll go Corn, sometimes I'll go some House. You know, just yeah, you know, everything, sure. whatever I'm feeling at the time that's going to get me pumped up. So yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, I guess Ryan, that probably probably uh, wraps up the interview, and we know that you have to get. To training uh, out in your, I think backyard or, or garage. So, uh, we'll, we'll probably, probably, yeah. Well, we we'll leave you to that. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the Premier League nightclub. Uh, and hopefully, we can get you on back uh, sometime when the season resumes and we can we can get have a chat to you again. But again, thank you so much for coming on. It has been an absolute privilege for us, and we wish you all the best for the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks, guys. No problem. I've enjoyed it. It's been good. Sweet. Sweet. Thanks, heaps. Thanks. Yeah, no worries. Cheers, guys. Woodrow, it's it's incredibly fascinating how each time we get a different insight and like a different perspective on not a similar journey, but you'd have to say like a, a similar you know style of journey. Would you agree with that? <clears throat> yeah, no, I completely agree, and I think everything that Ryan had to say 
um, you know, was gold to listen to because it's not often that we get to talk to Aussies that uh, I guess, you know, play such an integral role in a team but aren't in the position where they're consistently in the limelight. So for us, it's it's just so rewarding to get the chance to speak to him, really. Yeah, and between you and me and now everybody else listening, we obviously, well, we, actually, not obviously, we actually had a had a really good chat with him off air as well. And some of the stuff he was saying was pretty eye-opening, to be honest. And, you know, it just goes to show that these players, although they might not have the limelight, which we sort of discussed throughout that interview, they do have a voice uh, on and off the pitch and do have thoughts on, uh, how how the system is and whether it's good or bad. And obviously, you know, Ryan's on his way to, to hopefully breaking into that international squad and hopefully can get some more more action from an Australian uh, media perspective. But until next time, Woodrow, I'm, I'm pretty happy to wrap this one up because I'm really, really just keen to keep reading these bloody articles week in, week out about <laughs> when the Premier League is going to come back. And hopefully, hopefully next week we can have an answer. Mate, I'm praying we have an answer because it seems like every week we just keep getting strung along by the FA, uh, and and we just we just left in the dark. Really, all supporters around the world are sort of left in the dark as to when the Premier League is coming back. And and you know we've just seen Angolo Kante uh, be you know um, allowed a compassionate leave because he doesn't want to train uh, due to the COVID nineteen virus. So you know it just seems like players are dropping like flies, and and it just seems everything is getting more ambiguous and maybe what uh, we expected it to be. So, yeah, it's 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 very, very frustrating from a media perspective as well. Yeah, and we certainly aren't the main victims of this whole thing, but <laughs> we do talk somewhat garbage at times, despite our best efforts, because, like, let's be honest, like, you know, we're only doing our best here, but we can only go off the information we get, and at the moment, we're not getting a lot of it. But until next time, Woodrow, if people want to keep up to date with what's happening in the football world, when they can't listen to the pod, where can they hit us up on the socials? You can hit us up on Instagram at Premier League Nightclub coming at you multiple times a week. And Damon, where can you find us on the Twitter? You can find us on the Twitter at PL Nightclub. And we've had a few uh, new followers in the past week. The Twitter's finally kicking off, which you know I'm very, very, very happy about. <laughs> For those listening who have recently followed the Twitter, thank you very much. And make sure you click subscribe or follow to uh, where on wherever you listen to this podcast. And until then, Woody, I'm out of here. Yeah, me too, Damon. And thank you, everyone, for boogieing at the Premier League nightclub. We'll see you next week. Catch ya. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Sport.
Social Podcast Network.